Chapter Four of the Apostle of Alaska: The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Shamp. A new mission field. Great Britain has always been fortunate in counting among its military and naval officers many men who have not been ashamed to recognize Christ as their loving master or to speak a word for him whenever opportunity offered the gordons the havelocks and the headley vickers are not by any means solitary examples of christian soldiery either in the british army or in its navy captain j c prevost a commander in the british navy was a sincere christian gentleman anxious to do his share to make others partakers of the glorious joy with which a living faith had filled his own heart called home to england in the spring of eighteen fifty six after a four years cruise on his majesty's ship virago policing the waters of british columbia extending for a distance of nearly six hundred miles from puget sound to dixon entrance the southern boundary line of what is now american alaska but which was then the alaska of the russians a task which had given him a splendid opportunity to observe the savage but physically splendid type of indians that populated this long coastline and the thousand beautiful islands skirting it the commander had become firmly convinced that if the loving evangel of the savior of mankind could be preached to these heathen it would be likely to bring far better results as to ending the cruel warfare carried on among the tribes themselves as well as between them and the white men whose trend also on this coast was westward than to send there a whole fleet of warships his heart was full of sympathy for the red man of the northwest coast to whose villages no protestant missionary had so far found his way though the white people ever since the discovery and survey of the coast by captain vancouver in seventeen ninety two had maintained most profitable trade relations with them the curse of civilization in the form of rum debauchery and loathsome disease had readily penetrated to the farthest villages while the peace-bringing message of the white christ had during all these years been withheld from them captain prevost pressed upon the church missionary society the necessity of taking up this new mission field and called their attention to the fact that fort simpson a fortified trading station of the hudson's bay company directly south of the russian boundary line and which he had visited with his ship just about the time of the memorable missionary meeting in beverly herein described would furnish a well-nigh perfect naval base for a new mission both because around it were located numerous villages of the most intelligent tribe of the natives on the coast the tsimsheans and because they being the traders of the region in their turn were the intermediaries between the whites and other indians as well as between the indians of the coast and those of the interior the officers of the society were strongly impressed with the appeals of the christian naval officer but regretfully had to inform him that it was impossible for them to open any new field of missionary labor because of the total lack of funds for such purpose they offered him however the privilege of the columns of their organ the christian missionary intelligencer for an appeal to the public for funds for the new mission which he had urged should be commenced among the northwest coast indians it goes without saying that captain prevost gratefully accepted this offer and an eloquent article from his pen describing the indians their savage state their intellectual possibilities and physical excellencies 
and holding up to the readers the reproach to the nation of having for more than seventy years withheld from these tribes the blessings of the gospel while showering over them the curses of civilization appeared in the july number eighteen fifty six of the society's publication this appeal was not made in vain a month later the society could give the gratifying information that in response to the captain's pleading two anonymous friends had contributed twenty five hundred dollars for the proposed mission among the northwest coast indians one hindrance thus was removed but another remained the society did not have the proper missionary to send again and again the subject was canvassed at the meetings of the committee they could not find the man then came another visit of captain prevost he called to inform them that he had been reappointed to his old station on the pacific coast and would sail in a fortnight and what was more important still that he had obtained the permission of the admiralty to carry in his ship on its trip around the world to victoria any missionary whom the society might conclude to send to the indians on the northwest coast again the committee was called together where could they find the proper man this mission required a man of undaunted courage of well-nigh indomitable determination and will-power of unlimited faith in god and of good sound judgment as the entire management of the mission would practically devolve upon him alone without the aid of the council and direction of the society or its committee again and again did they scan the lists of available candidates only to arrive at the same disheartening conclusion then some one modestly whispered the name of duncan 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 he is the man they all agreed but will he go on wednesday evening dr alford sat in his study in highbury college young duncan had been sent for he soon approached the president of the college who contemplated him with loving eyes duncan he said pointing to a map hanging on the wall to a point away up near the northwestern extremity of the american continent the society contemplates opening a mission at this point among one of the most savage tribes of the indians of the northwest coast but as any missionary sent there will have to take his life in his hands and perhaps will never return it does not feel like taking the responsibility of sending any one there unless he would practically volunteer his services your name has been suggested will you go i will go wherever i am sent sir was the instant response but the missionary who goes must sail by next tuesday do you think you could get ready on such short notice i can go in an hour if it is necessary sir dr alford had not been mistaken in his man the answer showed the stern stuff of which the intended missionary was made god bless you duncan he said much affected i honestly believe that you will go and return again hale and hearty in spite of all the dangers whether i will ever return sir will be the lord's business going is mine i am ready to do my part and i am sure we can trust the good lord to do his on friday afternoon duncan took his leave of the college with the commission of the society for the fort simpson mission in his pocket there were perhaps some misgivings because he was prevented from finishing his course of study and had thus to be sent away without graduating but the committee felt that in this case necessity knew no law and so far departed from the rules the same evening saw duncan at the store of the outfitters where he gave his order for a complete outfit 
including even a shovel an axe a saw a rake and a hoe besides numerous tools for carpentering and blacksmithing sunday was spent in beverly bidding farewell to the relatives and friends of a young lifetime on monday morning he sped away on the express train to london where he was to receive his final instructions at the society's office before departing for plymouth in the london streets he was caught in one of the inevitable jams which sometimes suspend all traffic for hours and hours but undaunted he sprang from his cab portmanteau in hand wormed his way through the crowded streets on foot and succeeded in reaching salisbury square just as the secretary was about to leave his office then off he hied to paddington station where he found the van of the outfitters with his twenty-eight pieces of luggage large and small and also his best friend among the students at the college a mr trot who had come to say the last good-bye a few moments before seven o'clock a cab rolled up and to duncan's surprise out stepped dr alford who had concluded to go with him to plymouth in order to see him safely on board tickets purchased the two are soon on their way to plymouth tuesday morning before seven the train pulled into plymouth station the travellers disembarked and went to the harbour there in the roadstead impatiently tugging at her anchor with steam up ready to speed away from old england on her six months cruise lay his majesty's ship satellite a spick-and-span new corvette with twenty-one heavy armstrong guns aboard went dr alford and mr duncan and his twenty-eight pieces of luggage to stow away which gave the executive officer of the ship more trouble than anything else just then dr alford remained on board all forenoon as he desired to say to captain prevost a last word in behalf of his young friend but finally had to depart as the captain tarried longer than expected at two p m on december twenty third eighteen fifty six captain prevost boarded his vessel and half an hour later the ship was under way and steamed out of the harbour the young missionary stood alone by himself on its deck but strange to say when old england's coast slowly receded and the fog banks caressing it he did not even for one moment look back at what he left behind untrammelled by any ties of kinship and friendship fancy free and heart whole his dancing courageous blue eyes looked forward where the prow of the ship was ploughing the waves into the future fraught with danger into the holy sacrifice of all comforts of home and home life into the awful solitude and the absence of all human sympathy into the life-work which was to be his under god to do forward and then upward were his eyes directed then a smile as of heavenly assurance came into his blue eyes spread over the ruddy cheeks and around the curves of the firm mouth and disappeared in the curly sandy locks with which the wind played he went away with god on his errand under the protection of the almighty loving father this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those things which are before i press towards the mark End of chapter 4